It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class, Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. For Lax Class 253, it's Jake Elliott. It's Santino Farah with you. And Tino, we got a big one. Sorry for the late release this week, but uh, I think it'll be well worth the wait. As Tino, let's bring you in right off the top. Uh, we got a big show lined up here. Stallions, report cards, locks, quick sticks. And our guest this week is none other than the Man Cup champion himself in Lyle de Hossanunde Thompson. will join us in period number two, which... It's been a while since we talked to Lyle, like very early days here on the podcast since Lyle has been back on the pod. So we're looking forward to that. We think it's going to be a great show. We appreciate your patience, and uh, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming next week. Tino, what's going on, dude? Welcome back, uh, beautiful. What day is it? It's Thursday. We got football coming up here in a little bit, but uh, Thursday afternoon, how's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Um, pretty, uh, pretty mellow week for the most part. It was weird. Yeah, I'm I'm a big like routine guy. So coming home from work on Tuesday and then not really knowing what to do with myself because we're not recording was super strange. Uh, and equally as strange is recording on a Thursday. So yeah, I I'm in shambles today. Walk around making horse noises on Tuesday. Just yeah, I'm sure the people in my apartment building love me. <laughs> what else? How was the weekend? Any farmers markets? No, uh, I think we're going to go this entire year without any farmers markets. Actually, you and I have never really discussed like music that much. Mm-hmm. I, I've been, I'm, I have this album that I'm listening to right now on repeat. I know it's definitely not in your wheelhouse because I don't know. You made a comment one time about how some of the bands I've listened to you've never heard before in your life. But I need to, I need to get this out to the Lax Class listeners. Mm-hmm. A music recommendation that I've been on all week. I've probably listened to this album like over ten times in the last two days. This band is called Origami Angel. The The album specifically is called Somewhere City. I swear to God, Jake, just give it a chance. Okay. okay. I, I can't. This, like, okay, this, I think it came out in like 2019 or something like that. I, I wish I had known about it at the time because I would have been screaming from the mountains that this is album of the year. It's oh, so good. Origami Angel. I'll check in with Challoner because he's he's the big music guy. If he gives it the the seal of approval, then we'll <laughs> we'll give it a go. Um, I saw your boys Blink One Eighty Two. Really oh good. baby, do you want to get that? Out? What's going on with Pop Punk Podcast? I haven't seen any posts lately. Yeah, we we going always comes back to the McDonald Cup and the Founders Cup. Uh, I just we couldn't get anything out during that time. There was just way too much going on. But yeah, the boys in Blink released two new songs today at the time of recording, um, and they got a new album coming out in the coming months as well. And man, oh man, if I wasn't fighting back the tears <laughs> listening to the first single they released, okay, oh man, <laughs> Blink and Origami. That's what you want to listen to, according to Santino. Um, Tino, I got to get this in here. We're recording on Friday. Sunday, I got to get my disc golf uh, take in here this week, of course. But, well, first of all, speaking of of weird earlier in the podcast, we're both wearing the exact same T-shirt. That was unrehearsed. That's kind of weird. But 
we're both uh, unabashed Vancouver Canuck fans, as uh, I'm pretty sure you are, as am I, of course. And uh, Vancouver making a little trade just the other day to bring in backup goaltender Casey DeSmith, Tino. I don't know if you know this or not, but Casey DeSmith is a sponsored professional disc golfer as well. I didn't know that. Is that a potential future guest on the show? Well, I don't know. If we can maybe work our back channels (laughs) through uh, Canuck Sports and Entertainment with the Warriors and all the rest of it, maybe... We can, but he literally legit said in an interview I was I was reading that any spare time that he has, he's he's on the disc golf course. So might just run into Casey DeSmith around the Lower Mainland at some point. And and speaking of that, another guy by the name of Avery Jenkins, who at one time Tino was the top player in the world. He's about uh, he's probably just past forty now, so he's you know on the tail end of his career here, but he is world renowned and is on record as the guy who has played more disc golf courses in more countries than anybody else on the planet. He is coming to the lower mainland this weekend to run a combine to find future disc golfers to sponsor dynamic discs. This is what he does. He just tours around and and looks for new up and coming players to sponsor. Well, he's never played a, a famous course over on Pender Island. So this weekend, yours truly and a few of my other buddies are taking Avery Jenkins over to Pender Island, and I'm going to play disc golf with a former number one player in the world and a former number world champion here in in Avery Jenkins, which I'm pretty excited about. You'll have to uh, you have to film some content some content out of that. I'm I'm legitimately curious. I want the classmates to chime in at one of us on on, on Twitter when Jake starts going on about the the disc golf. Dowick are you are, are you guys it. checking out or are Dowick, you guys into it? Dowick told me he loves it. So <laughs> as long as Jamie Dowick is still listening and he likes my disc golf updates, that's what we're gonna do. Breaking news: Jake doesn't care about the classmates. Only Jamie Dowick. <laughs> That is so untrue. So untrue. All right, Tino, enough jibber-jabber. Let's get out of here. It's time for Lax Class Report Card. Report Card Day. Settle down, class. Today is Report Card Day. Today is Report Card Day. It's Report Card Day. Um, Tino, I haven't been over to this disc golf course in over 30 years. It it is one of the legendary courses here in in British Columbia. And uh, sorry, man, I'm excited about it. I just had to get that in there. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Lax Class Report Cards. You know they are brought to you by Mitch Jones Real Estate, who is powered by Stonehouse Realty. And with a personalized approach and a commitment to your satisfaction, you can trust Mitch Jones to make your real estate journey an exceptional one. At Mitch Jones Real Estate, he believes in building a long-lasting relationship with his clients. Contact Mitch Jones today and let's make your real estate dreams a reality. 
Love the little play on words there, Tino. Real estate dreams a reality. Visit stonehouserealty.ca or give Mitch a follow on Instagram at MitchJones4 or just give Mitchie a call on the cell phone at 604-916-6772. Waiting on bated breath whether the interest rates are going to go up once again, Tino. I don't know if I'm going to survive if they do, man. I We got to get past this somehow, some way. If you have some concerns, you need to talk to somebody. Mitch Jones Realty, powered by Stornhost, is your guy. Uh, report cards, Tino Farah, you're on. Yeah, Jake, with uh, tomorrow, or I guess when everyone's listening to this, uh, it'll be today being the last day of summer. That means the summer of Positive Tino oh, is over. I, f- I have we- a feeling we're going to have the same report card this week, Tino. Well, let's see, because I'm going back to my roots. Okay, you hear that, Evan? I'm going back to my negativity. Uh, I'm giving a D minus, and I know we we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's going towards the NL draft not being broadcasted. And again, I know I like, we talked about it a bunch last week. We had Jamie on, he was giving his opinion and uh, it was, uh, he was of the mindset of, you know what? It's boring. Um, Why do people want to watch this? And that's a fair opinion. And this is no disrespect to Jamie. I just disagree. And I think that there was so much, positive momentum through the vast majority of last season going into the playoffs. And this was such a crucial and huge opportunity for the league to carry that positive momentum into the start of this next coming season. And this is like, it's just a hiccup. Like it's not the be all end all, whatever, but I think it was a massive missed opportunity. And for myself, and yourself as well, like two people that try to play a part in in covering the league and covering the sport. The next best option of just refreshing the NLL website on the draft tracker page was useless. I think like I went for a walk on the Saturday morning, got back just in time for the draft to start. And so I'm sitting at my computer and I'm hitting the refresh page every time somebody tweets out that so-and-so is on the clock, like there's their five minutes. And it was like pulling my hair out trying to get the website to work and it got to like i put in one of the in one of the group chats that i'm in like after maybe four or five picks i was like i'm not going to pay attention to this anymore it's ruining my day trying to sit here and figure out who was getting selected i don't know i'm sure you're going to have your piece on it as well but i just think that this was a huge missed opportunity i'm not giving it an f because again it's not the be all end all and there's still we still have camps coming up and everyone's going to be pumping out their content and stuff like that so it's not the end of the world, but it was a massive missed opportunity. The resources were there. I don't know why, realistically, they went against it. Yeah, I, I'm still not, and, and I'm there with you, man. Like, I, I still haven't got a straight answer on what exactly the reason or decision was on why they didn't want to do it. Like, Ashley and, and Teddy were both back there for the Hall of Fame. And, and there's the other thing, you know, like, we're, we're celebrating... 10 of the best players to ever play in this league. And, and you know, everybody in attendance, awesome. They they get to recognize and, and watch those guys go into the Hall of Fame. Nobody else did. 
And, you know, yeah, there was some some content, some pictures and, and what have you behind the scenes stuff, but it, it wasn't where it needs to be. And, and you know, man, I, I don't understand why either. Like, I'm not saying you got to go national TV and, and, you know, play three hours of the first round and have this, you know, breakdown and analysis of every single pick and everything. Like, maybe we're not there yet. But to not have it up on YouTube or even Facebook Live and give the opportunity to a lot of these families of, of these young men who have driven them to practice hours and hours and days after days to see their dream come true. And, and you know, even if they weren't in attendance, to hear their name called or to watch their kid walk across the stage and shake the commissioner's hand. Like that's a that's a monumental event in a in a lacrosse player's career and and their life and to not have that on display in particular for for friends and family of those young men was was just really disappointing and I and I saw a lot of outcry on social media for it you know so we're obviously not the only ones and I'm sure they they had their reasons I don't know like I said I don't know what they were um, but. Man, it just felt like a big giant step backwards, and and like you said, a, a missed opportunity, and and hopefully that is a a one off situation, and we get back to to where we we need to go and in the right direction moving forward. So I don't know if we need to spend any more time on that. You know, I think we both kind of aired that out as as best we could, and uh, let's move along, shall we, partner? Saddle up, buddy. We're heading for the Stampede Stables. Nay, 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 Is that the longest one you've ever done? Nay, nay. You just give me two short ones every time. You did. Yeah, I want to get it build, done and over with. Build your repertoire up a little <laughs> bit. We're not far off, Tino, from um, you know, wiping out the st- the full stallion soundbite and going back to just we'll have week one winner and then it'll just be one horse noise and that'll be it. And then we'll get the second one and we're just gonna piece these things together. So by the end of the season, we got 18 different horse noises from potentially 18 different winners for the upcoming Who You Got uh, segment that will make its triumphant return in a couple of months from now. I don't think. I mean, maybe they do. But now having had the opportunity to edit the podcast a couple of times, like it's so funny to see it. That's like a minute and a half long intro or something like no, that. There's so much. It's so long. It's so funny to see how much time of the podcast is taken up by random people doing it's not random choices. people. It's it's <laughs> lax classmates who have won a week of who you got. That's who it is. And I like it. I hope other people do. And if they don't, I don't really care. To be <laughs> it's not going anywhere. But we'll build a new one as the next season uh, moves along. 
in uh, in the coming months here. So let's talk about Stampede Tack and Western Wear here quickly. They're uh, they're always working hard, just as lacrosse players like to do as well. And I know you've been hearing a lot about the selection of boots and hats, and that's because it's true. From coast to coast, they have the best selection available, whether for work or play. You'll find it at Stampede Tack and Western Wear in Cloverdale. They've been there since 1966. It's a long time. Uh, the website is a good one as well. Check them out at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Stallions of the week, Santino. Who you got? Yeah, so I, I'm kind of going back and forth between putting in the entirety of like the management and scouts of the Vancouver Warriors or just Kurt Malosky in, like, individually. And the reason why I'm... Uh, potentially putting in the Vancouver Warriors as a whole is because you seem to put in like six or seven new stallions every week. So maybe <laughs> that'll help my chances with Pat. Um, but I'll just say Kurt Malosky. And the reason why I'm putting him into the stable is because, you know, when he got hired by Vancouver, quickly people are asking, like, how do you turn this team around? And very quickly, his answer was, we're going to build through the draft. And it was so refreshing being a Vancouver sports fan myself to have a plan clearly laid out on the table and then see the team very clearly execute it like step by step. You know, he had, was there four first round picks or whatever? Like when is that? I mean, first off he, he made some, some bridge signings as well, right? Some guys to come in and kind of lead the way for the next year or two here for those guys to mature Dilks, Lance beers, uh, some moves coming out today. They well, they released Barker. We'll we'll probably talk about this in Quick Sticks, but they released Barker. They released Delmonico. They released Goodwin. I think they released Semple as well. So they're they're kind of cleaning out a little bit, but they're also adding. You're right. They go out. They make a move on draft day to get that fourth first round pick, which turns out to be the 18th pick because of the compensatories and what have you. But they go out. They get the first goaltender selected. They get. Two studs offensively and an absolute weapon on the back end in Braden Lady with Haley, Cormier, Lady, and O'Toole, who, you know, playing for Brampton last year, not the greatest team, but his numbers spectacular. And by all accounts, one of the top goaltenders in the OJ. And, and, you know, Kurt hasn't drafted a goaltender as high as he did O'Toole than the last time was one Christian Del Bianco three picks earlier than that. So you're right. He changed things pretty damn quick. I still think there there's some, you know, holes to, to fill in certain spots, but it's going to be a new looking Vancouver Warriors team come December. No question about it. And it's like four first rounder. Like I don't, not to put my black and gold sunglasses on here, Tino, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Vancouver won the draft. Yeah, and like that's a pretty it's a pretty safe assumption just because of like quantity itself. Like there are a lot of other teams that did incredibly well with the picks that they had, generally speaking, but it's it's just hard. and and like you said, like some of these players as well, they're not necessarily gonna be immediately impactful players like they're there some of them are going to be projects but it's a great feeling for warriors fans now to be able to like i said see the plan laid out and see it executed and and these are just the first steps now it's 
how do we develop these players? And I think the future is so bright in Vancouver. This is a really exciting time to follow the team. Yeah, Brandon Goodwin now, Panther City, Logan Schuss now with Calgary. So it it's going to be real different there. I wouldn't expect Sean Evans to be back. I'm, I don't know where that's going, but I think probably a different direction. We'll see. Um, so, Kermilowski, your stallion of the week. Uh, I got to... I got to put this guy in strictly off his name alone. Tino, watching this draft online, the Las Vegas Desert Dogs go out and sign or draft, excuse me, Mustang Sally. <laughs> I, uh, that's an automatic stallion pick right there. Mustang Sally. Are you kidding me with that handle? Unbelievable. You're going into the stable Right off the get-go, Mustang. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Uh, I got another one here as uh, our buddy Todd LeBranch, crew chief of the National Lacrosse League, um, sent me a story about this guy in Denver who is called the Mile High Guy, who essentially runs up and down the aisle of his season ticket holder section and just high-fives people like like crazy. So... Where he sits, Todd comes out to do his pregame stretching and check the turf and all that. So he's kind of gotten to know Mile High Guy over the years. And this guy told Todd, hey, like last year, if Colorado can force a game three, I'm going to make a trip to Buffalo to go watch the final game. And, you know, so they kind of built this relationship. And, of course, Colorado did force that game three. And Todd didn't hear anything from from this guy. And, and I don't see his name anywhere particular in this chain of text that I got. So, Mike, that's all I know. So, he, Todd's like, oh, I never, you know, I never heard from him or anything. And and then months later, this guy reaches back out to, to Todd to say that he did, in fact, make his way to Buffalo. And while there, developed some sort of crazy blood infection to the point where they had to amputate the bottom of his leg. And he manages to get back to Denver. He has more complications with like an infection and almost dies. Battles through that. And, you know, this guy has, has persevered. He's got, he's got a, now he's got a brand new prosthetic. He was a, a former basketball and, and baseball umpire who obviously had to shut that down for, for some significant time, but he's back doing that now. This guy is an absolute warrior, and, and this is just a crazy story that uh, you wouldn't believe. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I don't have time to read the entire thing, but it is wild, man, what this guy went through supporting his Colorado Mammoth going to Buffalo and almost... You know, like losing half of his leg, almost dying, all the rest of it, to now being back and, and being in good spirits, back working and back doing the things that he loves to do. Uh, absolutely incredible. So, mile high guy, Mike, uh, you're going into the stable this week as my Stampede Stallion of the Week. Wow. What a, what a, st- <laughs> people are obviously just listening. Like they're not on the call here with, with me. That like made my jaw drop. That's what a story. Oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, I don't get past those types of things very often, but uh, I, I figured that one was was definitely worth a mention. Unbelievable story there. So that that you know could have ended up way worse than it did, and it looks like it's got a pretty pretty good ending now. So, anyways, uh, that is period number one. We got to take a break here, Tino. We got the champion, Man Cup champion of the Six Nations Chiefs, number four in your program from Onondaga. Lyle Thompson will join us next year on Lacrosse Classified. We're back after this. 
This is Jordan McIntosh, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax Class as we move into period number two on Lax Class 253. It's Jake Elliott at Santino Ferra, and it's Rycor Construction with us here in period two as well. If you don't know, I'm about to tell you, they make it stand out at Rycor. Give them a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Rycor Construction Inc. or check out their website at www.rycorconstruction.ca. Tons of experience when it comes to residential, interior, and exterior renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, fences, decks, something as simple as a fence. They can help you out, and when they do, they'll make it stand out for you. This man was standing out at Queen's Park Arena just over a week ago in the Man Cup. He is a Tawaraton winner. He is an NLL champion, a President's Cup champion, and now a Man Cup champion out of the Wolf Clan of the Onondaga Confederacy of the Six Nations of the Grand River. It's Dehasanunde Thompson-Lyle. Welcome back to Lax Class. Thanks so much for doing this. And first and foremost, congratulations on your first Man Cup with the Six Nations Chiefs. Yeah, hey, appreciate appreciate the intro, Drake. Uh... I do have to correct you on one okay. thing. My, um, I'm I'm Hawk Clan from the Anadaga Nation. What did I say? Yeah, my my, you said wolf. My oh. father's a wolf. Oh my bad. But I'm a hawk. And how? Okay, well maybe we'll just start right there, Lyle. How does that work? How do different clans, different animals? Maybe you can explain the clan part of things to me because I'm a little unfamiliar with that. Yeah. So within the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, um, people. We, we have nine clans, three water, three land, three air. The three water are turtle, beaver, beaver, and eel. The three land are wolf, deer, and bear. And the three air are flying are hawk, heron, and snipe. And it's passed down to your mother. So whatever clan your mother is, is, is what you're passed down. So um, my mother is a hawk. That's what all of her kids are, me and my brothers, my sister. And um, my father is a wolf, um, which was passed down from his mother. So I'm sure it looks a little bit different, but all in all, pretty similar throughout indigenous people, indigenous tribes. Um, a lot of us do have clan systems. Not all are animals, but, you know, in the broad scheme of things, it's it's all sort of ki- kind of holds in there as your last name in a way. Okay. Um, our people take a lot of pride in our clan, you know, when... When we talk about our clan and, and and who we are as people, our clan has a lot to do with our personalities, the family belo- we belong to. So there's a lot of pride in it. Very cool, man. Very, very cool. I actually had a quick chance to, to see your parents at the Man Cup after you guys celebrating on the floor there in Game 5. And it's always good to have a, a quick chat with your dad and, and your your mom's a little bit softer spoken, not a, not a lot of words coming out of her, but uh, always great to see your parents who were there supporting you and, and Jer or Gia Wagahe. Am I close on that, Lyle? Gaya? Yeah, you're pretty good. Gaya Wagahe. That, that's good. He, uh, his is a tough one to say, too. Gaya Wagahe. Yeah, man. I, I asked Tino. I was practicing and practicing and practicing. And there's then a lot with, of eight. Yeah. Eight. Uh, expressions you got to add in there and then i was actually when i was talking to your dad i was telling him i was trying to pronounce jer's jer's first name and and then i mentioned heina and i thought heina was just heina but it's not there's more to to his name as well is it scott heina i you tell me it it's uh susquehanna susquehanna and what is that what does that mean 
His is probably the easiest to say. It means large treetop. Okay. And and does Miles Miles have one too? Um, Miles is um, – I always mix Jeremy's and Miles' is up. Because I think your mom did that as well. I was kind of like, <laughs> I think that's Jared. And then, yeah, and then your dad was – Miles is Gaye Gaye. Okay. <laughs> Very similar to Jeremy's. Very similar to Jeremy's. Yeah, his means uh, he strikes the sun. Cool, man. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, listen, five games uh, it took to, to beat those Salmon Bellies in, in Queen's Park. We're going to talk about the Man Cup with you here. Uh, but first, maybe I'll, I'll ask you, like, I know you, you've been to the West and, and you won a, a President's Cup with all four of your brothers here in Coquitlam back way back in 2014. That seems like so long ago, Lyle. And, man, I remember watching you in that tournament thinking to myself, this guy just does not come off the floor. Like, you you played so much in that President's Cup uh, with the Red Hawks back then. But you're also out here in, in 2019 with the Nats uh, for the World Championships. But... I know for you, your your first crack at a man cup, playing for your Chiefs and and doing it on the West Coast in Queens Park Arena, had to be a, a super cool experience for you playing your first lacrosse there in that that rank and on the floor, and then I guess on top of that, Lyle having so many different nations of Indigenous support out there with the drums and in a cheering section that really helped spur you guys on. Yeah, I mean, on, honestly. You know, it being in, in New West, I think it was the perfect scenario and experience for myself. It being sort of my first crack with Adam Man Cup. I don't think there's a better place it, it could have been hosted. The energy, the environment, the hype around everything, like from, you know, worrying about uh, my parents being able to get into the game or anyone else who needed tickets being able to get into the game because every game was a sellout and people showing up an hour before the game even more it it really gave honestly like more than an nll field because because you show up to the game you step up for like warm-up warm-ups like pre-warm-ups and there are people there watching you we're showing up to the games and, and there's already people in line at the arena which was super cool and it just added another element to the whole experience so you know in my eyes it was it was unbelievable it was, it was really cool to be a part of i'm glad that we, we got to play there, the history behind all of that, and, and it was just sort of a lot of fun. Well, let me just... Something I'll always remember. Yeah, absolutely, as will I. And just before Tino jumps in, you know, the drums, <clears throat> excuse me, Lyle, the drums that bang, it, you know, inside Queen's Park Arena and, and for wherever you, you know, whether you're with the Nats or what have you, I don't know, it seems like it's a little different. It's, it may be a little more prevalent here on the West Coast, the drumming. You don't really see a whole lot of that back east or at the ILA. What what is that experience like having those things banging for you while you're playing the game? It's I mean while while we're playing, I mean it definitely gives us a, another boost of energy to hear you know when they score, it's loud, right? And and you see the crowd, you can kind of like in your peripheral see the whole crowd jump up. But when we scored, it felt as equal and as loud. That was that was one part of it, but the biggest part was just stepping on the floor. You know, getting that cheer, hearing those drums, it gave me the chills every single time. You know, I, I come off to the, I come onto the floor right after Dougie and Warren, so I'm you know the first player, not goalie, to to come in, and um, you know that's when they start, and it sort of just gives you the chills, um, kind of makes you emotional in a way. But it was it was cool to have that sort of support out there. 
you go back to the beginning of the season and that's when you, you made that decision to take a year off from the PLL and, and commit yourself to this year of, of summer ball. Um, ideally with the hopes of, of competing for a man cup and, and, you know, you came home with the ultimate prize there, but I know that you had a conversation with Adam Levy as well and kind of explaining uh, some more parts of that decision. But for the people that maybe didn't get a chance to read any of that interview, can you just talk about what went into that decision of you, you know, committing to play with six nations for, for this season? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I, I sort of explain it in my Instagram post, but at the end of the day for me, like I said in my post, it had very little to do with lacrosse um, in me playing. And I'm at a point in my life where I do want to give, you know, that energy that I've always given to lacrosse, that time and energy that I've always given to lacrosse. And I want to start to balance some of this stuff out. You know, I'm, I'm 30 years old now, 31 years old, and it's, it feels like a new chapter um, and sort of time for me to reflect and reorganize those sort of things. So um, I, I've my kids are now playing lacrosse. Um, it's very recent for them. It's, it's new for them. And I want to be a part of that. I wanted to make sure I was, I was there for their games, which I was able to make, you know, majority of their games, um, in their practices and being able to just kind of stay home in six nations, um, not have to worry about hopping on a plane on Friday and rushing back after games or anything like that just gave me a lot more peace. So that made my decision you know, a, a lot easier. At the end of the day, for me, I, I know I made the right decision because man cup, no man cup, whatever it is that has to do with my lacrosse career and what I'm doing with the stick in my hands, the the important thing for me was to sort of just take a step back and find some balance within my life. And, and my kids are a huge part of my purpose. Um, any parent will say the same thing. And the time I give to them, the attention I give to them, the energy I give to them um, is what's most important. So that's what I focused on this summer. And the chief, playing for the Chiefs just made it easy because they would come to Whitby with me. They would come to Brampton with me. I wouldn't get a babysitter. I would just, you know, bring them to the games. They'd sit in the stands and they'd watch my games. And then we'd go to the Arrows games, the Rebels games. They'd come to my games at the ILA. Um, it allowed for, for a lot of bonding with my kids through the summer using the game of lacrosse, which is a huge part of how I was raised, how, how my dad connected with us just by taking us to arenas, jumping arenas and watching lacrosse yeah. through the summer. And that's um, what you remember, right? Like as you're, as a child, yeah. that those are the times you remember with your dad at, at games and stuff. And I know, uh, man, I got like a thousand questions in my head for you right now, but I, I saw you at, at the arena in Onondaga with your little man throwing a pretty, pretty sick backhanders over the shoulders only. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But how many, how many kids do you have, Lyle? Um, how many are, are playing lacrosse? And like, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions here. So tell me about your kids and, and their lacrosse careers. But I also want to know, like you said, you're going to the ILA, but you're in Onondaga right now. I'm not super familiar with it. I don't know why I'm getting choked up right now, but why, how long does it take to get to the ILA from Onondaga first and foremost? So I don't live in Onondaga. I live in Six Nations. Okay. I I live like five minutes from the ILA. And then my parents are here in Onondaga. Uh, My sister still lives here in Onondaga. My kids don't have school this week, so I'm just here visiting. Okay. Um, 
visiting my parents. It's a four-hour drive. And that's strictly, like, you don't have to cross a border or anything? You can just drive? Yeah, you have to cross the border. You have to cross the border in Buffalo. Okay. Or, or Niagara Falls, that area. That's sort of the halfway mark. Okay. Two hours to Buffalo, then two hours from Buffalo to, to Six Nations. Okay. Now, the kids, uh, I saw the boys playing. And what? And on top of it, like, you got girls as well, and I don't know if they're playing, or what the state of it is in, in Onondaga. Like, I know different nations and different cultures kind of have different views on, on females playing lacrosse, but tell me about your girls and, and your kids and, and their careers. Yeah, my, my oldest, she'll be 12 in, in a week and a half here. Um, and then right down the line, 10, 8, 6, 4. Um, my six-year-old's the only boy. The rest of them are girls. Um, they all play. They They all... They all have a stick in their hands. They all but my four-year-old knows how to catch, <laughs> but she still bounces the ball around when when we're you know shooting. My second home is the Blue Track and Six Nations, which is like the community center there. Yeah, and I just go there to run and and you know shoot a ball around. I'm coaching a, a modified team, eight, seventh and eighth grade, for my oldest girl. It's sort of like a travel team. I don't want to call it a club because I just wanted to get some girls together and yeah. keep them together through the fall, play some fall ball. But they all sort of just got into it. They've, they've followed my oldest's lead. She started to like lacrosse maybe two years ago, and now they've all sort of trickled down. So awesome. I'm enjoying it. I like it. It's an easy way for me to bond with them. Sometimes I get a little bit too <laughs> too, uh, too too into it. Invested? Too into it. And, and yeah. Yeah, too invested, push them a little bit too hard. I have to always observe where they're at and their passion is so that I can I can uh, sort of be at their wave, their level. Uh, you've talked, this has been like a fascinating conversation, and you've talked so much about, about the family aspect of lacrosse. And, and I want to dive into that a little bit more into your early days of, of really connecting with lacrosse and, and what it was like for you growing up through minor and, and into junior and stuff like that. And I, I get the impression that, you know, it was never really about being the best for you, but I'm wondering if there was ever any point in your, you know, like growing years where you kind of figured out that you were, you know, in the higher pedigree of players. I mean, honestly, it very much was about being the best for me. I, I as a kid, I was super competitive, almost too competitive. Like by the time I got to like, modified which is seventh grade in the states you know i would let losses or bad games really just like hold me down for days and my dad seen that and that's where he really started to talk to me about the roots of the game and a spiritual connection to the game he always mentioned it and he always instilled it but you know as an athlete as a competitor when you're playing sports it's it's just you play to win and it's very much was my mindset whether it was racing whether it was being the first one to you know the top of the stairs drill. or shooting drill yeah yeah anything so I, I was a super competitive I think I think that's sort of what fueled me as as a kid it made me a lot better when did you um, make the turn Lyle when did you kind of realize that there is more to it than than just being the best and and that probably helped you become the best when you kind of came at peace with that or, or made the realization that this is more than than just being really good at the sport. There's more to it than this, and that probably helped helped you along the way. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I I always I had always set goals, um, and I still think you know I still have that in me that that competitive nature. 
to want to be the best into, you know, set yourself some goals. I just try to have a little bit more balance with it and always try to check in so that it's not consuming me. You know what I mean? Like if my goal is to, you know, be at the top of the NLL and scoring, I also want to have a high shooting percentage. I also want to, which means like I have to dedicate the time with my stick. I, I have to put in that work. So a part of that is competitive nature, but I also check in with myself and, and tell myself like, it's that that's not everything like yes it's a goal but it's not the most important thing i don't want to i don't want to be thinking about that while i'm playing i just want to play because that's when you're at your best and that's when you're having the most fun so it's balance you know it's it's what i've always what i've been talking about all summer um is making sure you have that balance and you keep that passion and love for the game while you're playing it and i and i think to go back to your question like growing up I think what a lot of people don't understand is, yes, I grew up playing box. You grew up playing box, and whether you're from Cataraugus, Tuscarora, Tonawanda, Onondaga, but that's not the OLA. So I didn't grow up playing Ontario lacrosse. We got kicked out of the OLA when I was in, like, Novice or Peewee, and then the rest of my thing was just a Can-Am. So it's just playing against other native teams. It's box lacrosse, but it's not nearly as competitive or as skilled. So my development by the time I got to junior, I feel like was was a bit behind. I, I definitely had athleticism, but figuring out sort of that that two man game, the little nicks of the game that really make you a, a high IQ player as a box lacrosse player, I had to develop even going into my pro career. So I, I think, you know, I learned a lot of things from even now, like playing playing for the Chiefs are. We were stacked, yeah. um, <laughs> and I take the, I took the opportunity to just learn from from guys like Jammer. From I've always learned so much from Randall, you know, playing with him since I was a kid. Audie, like all of these guys, they all bring something different to the game, and their IQ is is just so high that as a teammate, I try to take notes so that I can I can instill something and in, some things into my game because I. I know there's still so much so much for myself to learn. We're here with Lyle Thompson and Lyle, I know I said I wasn't going to try and keep you very long, but I I might have lied to you and if you got to go, you just just say you got to this is enough. I got to go, but I I have more things I want to want to ask you and, and one of them is a pretty simple one. You know, I noticed you changing your stick mid-game a couple of times during during the Man Cup. Which I find absolutely crazy. Like that was never something I would even think about doing during a game is changing up my gamer. But you did it on the regular. What goes into your thought process when you go, okay, like the the white mesh is not working. I'm going back to the black or vice versa. All right. So that's kind of a long story. But long story short, I left I left my stick in Six Nations. I go to give my kids a hug before I leave. And somewhere in that process, I leave my, I put my stick down. I end up leaving it. I realize it on the flight. I tell my parents to bring it out. I think my stick was mad at me because I left it. <laughs> because I, I shot so bad out there. So like the first two games, and um, I'm obviously I'm using my 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 one stick, and I'm shooting bad, and it's in my head. And at some point, as a lacrosse player, you're like. Enough, okay, enough. the stick might not be shooting that bad, but it's in my head enough to know that 
it's just mental. So switching the stick might give me some confidence, right? So I switched my stick and I think like, all right, it's just going to give me confidence, which it did. It allowed me to shoot more freely, not overthink my shots, you know, aim at a corner, try to hit a corner. If it misses, it misses. If it hits, it hits. And obviously, you know, credit to Higgy. Higgy played unreal the whole tournament. Um, But that was sort of the gist of it was just like, I changed my sticks back and forth three times. And it was, I was just in my own head Yeah. at, at that point. Well, hey, um, from our perspective, you were shooting it all right. I mean, I think you're right <laughs> up there in, in scoring as far as uh, the Man Cup goes. And I know I'm hogging things here, Tino, but you mentioned Cody Jameson. And, and you know, if if you weren't the, the Mike Kelly Award winner, I, I think Cody was, was very well deserving of it. And it's kind of a crazy story for for him, who did not even play one game of, of the major series final in that four-game sweep of Peterborough, but then gets thrust back in there with the departure of Audi and, and the injury to Fennell, and all of a sudden Jammer's taking this elevated role, and, and man, did he ever thrive. Like, just, I don't know, I'll talk about Cody Jamison, and like I put him down as maybe one of the most fiercest competitors ever to step on a floor, and just elevated when the moment meant the most. This guy is an absolute gamer. He's a gamer. He's, uh, you know, his his IQ is just at another level in terms of understanding the floor, understanding game situation, game clock. He can play defense. He can play transition. He's not someone that's ever a liability on any aspect of the feet, the floor. You know, so I, I think he plays with a lot of confidence and his teammates you know, have a lot of confidence in him. I think we all trusted that, like, at the end of the game, we trust Jammer to take the last shot. Um, that's just uh, who he's been, who he's always been. And, you know, like I said before, I've he's one of the guys I've, I've keyed into. He's someone I think that should be like, I know every other professional sport has it where you, where they, like, have professional players, have professional coaches make professionals even better. That's the next He's one step. of those guys that can yeah. that can make professionals even better without them even knowing. So I've I've observed him. I I always try to pick his brain and even through the Peterborough series, like he was always sort of the first person I talked to because he wasn't playing, was like, you know, what are you seeing out of me? How can you help me? But yeah, you know, playing with him has been a lot of fun. Learned a lot. Uh, last one for me here, Lyle, just looking forward now to the NLL season quickly. You know, everyone saw Georgia last season get off to the slow start, but just come out absolutely flying in the second half of the season and then ultimately just fell short uh, looking for a playoff spot. But what do you like about the group heading into a new season? I mean, I think we 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 have a flow and, you know, I don't think a new season necessarily means like a reset. Sometimes it does. I, I feel with, with the group we have now, we're, we're going to be able to kick back up where, where we left off. I, we have a really good goalie. We have some, some young players. Our defense is athletic and fast. And our offense is, you know, kind of caught its groove at the end of the year last year. So chemistry is a huge thing, especially in the NLL. And we've been able to build a year of that. So it's, it's really going to help. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing what we can do. I think we're going to have a, a really solid team this year and, and go on a big run. Speaking of goalies, how about that photo of Dougie in the ice bath surrounded by pints? <laughs> what a beauty, yeah. Oh, man, that is one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen. Uh, we'll we'll move off the man cup. I want to ask you one more as well. Uh, well, 
I want to ask you a couple. I, I'm not. I'm just not going to sugarcoat it here. I saw you and Jared take a, a little trip to to Lynn Canyon with the cliffs and the and the pools. Um, that looked like I've haven't done that since I was a little kid. But you guys, I couldn't believe it. You guys are out there jumping off a of cliffs during the middle of a Man Cup series. But it looked like you guys had a lot of fun out there in Lynn, Lynn Valley. I don't know how how you haven't gone out there since you were a kid. Yeah, I know. I it's know. it's so much fun, man. Cool no, spot, was, hey, cool spot. And it's so easy to go to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not it's not a big hike or anything like that, but it was fun. The water's super cold. You know, we found a good spot. We sort of went off the beaten path and and explored a little bit. Yeah. Didn't just go to the typical spot. So uh we went there three times while we were there. Wow. So it was it turned it, it turned into a go to spot. A little ritual. And I know you guys, yeah. uh, like I saw, every time I walked past the Chiefs room, there was kids lined up waiting for autographs, and you and Jared signed every single one of them, which was incredible. Uh, the last one I want to ask you, and I, and I don't even know if you, if you can provide an update or not, Lyle, but everybody kind of waiting on bated breath about the Olympic decision to include the Haudenosaunee Nationals and, and get your sovereignty for, for your nation. Um, do you have an update on the Olympic bid and, and where everything with that? I, I do not. I haven't. I haven't really stayed in uh, up to date with everything there. Okay. But um, you know, I know it's a it's a continued fight, and it'll continue to be through the next probably probably for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think we're getting but, closer, though. Are we not, Lyle? Like uh, I know, you know, you yeah, guys. Yeah, we've can... we've definitely made progress. Yeah. We've we've made progress, and we've established that there's a lot of people on our side. So that 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 was a a really positive thing that came from sort of the sixes the Birmingham situation World Games, with yeah. Ireland Ireland giving us their spot their spot yeah but yeah you know I'm optimistic about it I think it'll I think it'll all come around and happen all right man I kept you way too long longer than I said I was going to Lyle I appreciate your time so much here on lax class I know the classmates do as well I know you don't do a ton of these things and and we really appreciate you uh, making some time for us here on lax class man uh, any final thoughts or words you want to give out to the lacrosse world before uh, you go back to hanging out with your kids in Onondaga no nope, I have nothing all thanks right for having me, man. hey thank <laughs> congratulations on the man cup man looks good on you heat up appreciate it. heat up you chiefs <laughs> All right, Lyle. Talk to you later, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Peace out. There he is, Tino. Uh, man, oh, man. I, I'm i going to spend some time listening to that interview on my own right there. De Hossinunde Thompson. Uh, what a chat that was right there with the great Lyle Thompson. That was unbelievable. That's like a... That's like a top three moment in my lacrosse media experience. You know, what's funny is uh, when we were like waiting to interview him, like before he hopped on, um, I got home from work earlier today and I was like, man, I feel kind of anxious. Like, why do I like, am I going to have a panic attack or something? Like something was like building. And then we got into like recording here and I was like, oh, we're about to interview Lyle Thompson. I'm about to talk to Lyle for the first time ever. And yeah, I, that was incredible. I, I could listen to that conversation on and on and on. Yeah. I, you know, Jared, Jared's a little different than Lyle. He's a little more outgoing. I don't want to say flamboyant, but really, you know, just kind of puts himself out there a little bit more. Lyle's a little more reserved, a little choir spoken. And he's not like, I'm not going to lie. He's the, not the easiest guy to run down for an interview. He's extremely busy. He's got a huge family and a lot of commitments and getting pulled in a lot of different directions and just doesn't really do these type of interviews very often. And, and we are so thankful for, for our relationship with him here on Lax Class that he's willing to come on once in a while. Like, I I want to say it was, like, in the first 
I don't know, man, like 10, 20 episodes of Lacrosse Classified when Lyle made his first appearance. And, you know, I'm always a little reluctant to ask because I hate, like, I hate getting a no and not that he's ever said no, but I just, like, I don't want, you know what I mean? So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad he, he found some time to to come on and, and what a chat there. And I know that was your first experience watching him play live and, you know, when I got down the floor and, and, you know, saw a few of the boys that I was happy to see win the Man Cup and, and Benny Mack and Jacko and a few others, I just, like, went up to Lyle and I just, like, shook his hand. I might have even given him a hug. I just said, man, I love watching you play lacrosse. Like, I just, yeah. like, I don't know, man. There's nobody better for me. To me, watching Lyle play lacrosse is like watching art or looking at art. I don't know how to explain it. It is. It just looks right. There's no better ambassador for the sport than than Lyle Thompson, you know. And you know, it's funny is like we actually saw him take a penalty in the man cup, yeah. which like when was the last time asked that him about happened? That, hey, you can, <laughs> what are you taking a penalty for? Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable, incredible. All right, there you go, uh, Lyle Thompson, Six Nations Chiefs man cup champion. He's just adding to the resume, and uh, he's far from over. I can tell you that. So. Great chat there. Still got another period to go here on the big program. Period three is coming up. Lax class locks and quick sticks. Stay classified. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Gary Gate. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class. We're into the third period of action, which means no more breaks here on the podcast, but still some things to tell you. Uh, our good friends, Associate Labels and Packaging, are the best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. We know this. They've been in business for over 43 years in Coquitlam, and everything needs a label or everything needs a package. It's true. Just trust me on that. AssociatedLP.com is where you want to go. you got a business, you got a product, Associated Labels and Packaging. They focus on ethics, they focus on quality and people, and of course, they're family-owned. By the Ashworths, uh, third period also means I would like to ask you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you may be listening to review the podcast with that five-star review. Give us a follow on social media, at Lacrosse Classified on Instagram, at Class on Twitter. Email address is lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Personal accounts, Ferratino or Tino Farah, and you can find me at PXP, the number four sports. Um, now that we got all of that out of the way, Tino, let's do it, man. It's time for Lax Class Locks. It's locked. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. money. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, yes. You know, I, I don't, I should maybe just let the, the money, 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 money drop just run for a little while. Because if you'll recall, we weren't sure whether the parlay was going to cash from the previous week. Uh, with the man cup in the balance and game five going down. Well, yeah, that one won. You know, we got the under in game one. We got uh, the Chiefs by one and a half in game one. And then we got the series under five and a half. Parlay came home. And then what we did, you know, we backed it up with back-to-back wins. A little NFL style last week. So, essentially, your pockets are overflowing with jumbo bucks right now with uh, with back-to-back wins here on the podcast. And we're going to try and do it. I don't know if we've ever done it. Go three in a row. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> class, lacrosse classified parlay is brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. And if you haven't done this yet, all I can do is shake my head at you. Go to coolbet.com, sign up. Takes like two minutes. And then before you make your first time deposit, put in the bonus code LAXCLASS. It's one word, LAXCLASS. And that will force the good folks at Cool Bet to match your first-time deposit up to $200. So if you put in 20, they'll give you 20, but don't do that. Put in 200 smackaronis, and they will give you 200 smackaronis right back. All of a sudden, you got 400 smackaronis. That's a lot of smackaronis. Bonus code is laxclasscoolbet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly, then search up the lacrosse classified parlay. Which looks like this. This week we won an NFL bet, which is always difficult to do at the best of times, Tino. Why would we get out of that lane when we're when we're red hot? Uh, going into, what, week three of the National Football League. Let me look this up. We got Baltimore at Indianapolis. Baltimore, not an overly high-powered offensive team. Indianapolis, I believe, has lost their starting quarterback already. So I think it's Gardner Minshew in there or something for week three. We're taking the under at 45 and a half here. Pretty simple. We are also taking the Minnesota Vikings, who I got in on this, Tino. The parlay is up already. It's been up for a couple of days, in fact. At a plus, oh, a half point underdog. They are now a 1.5 point favorite in this game. Uh, so we got a, we got a point to play around with here. Vikings over the Chargers and then we're just taking the New England Patriots straight up on the money line. Bill Belichick owns the New York Jets. They don't have a quarterback either. So we're taking the Pats to beat the Jets on the money line. Vikings on the point spread. We got them at as an underdog. They're now a favorite in fact and the under 45 and a half in Baltimore Indianapolis. Uh, Good luck to everybody. Praise us royally when you win. Do not come calling if you lose. It's not our fault. Lax class locks are done, and now it's time for quick sticks. 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 Pretty good. Quick sticks. Quick sticks are brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. 
We talked a little bit about Stampede Tech in period one. We'll talk a little more about them here in period number three. They carry a wide selection of Carhartt hoodies, jackets, t-shirts, ball caps, and more. Or if you're tired of spending good money on a belt only to have it last a few months, I've done that, Tino. I don't know if you have. But Stampede Tech has an incredible selection of full green leather belts that last. All that and more at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local, or head out there to Cloverdale and see for yourself at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th belts. Everybody needs a belt. I don't care who you are. Uh, go to Stampede Talk for all your belts. Quick sticks, Tino. I We're recording on Friday. Big news is coming out on Tuesday, so I think we'll just talk about this next week when we record Tuesday afternoon because it'll be out by then. I think we both know what's coming. The schedule is coming. I think there's a few other things that are, are coming along with that. Uh, so stay tuned. I Last thing I need before the season starts, Tino, is a whack on the pee-pee. So I'm not spilling that. Just stay tuned next Tuesday because there's some big news coming out of the league. I, I, don't, I don't know what you want to add to that. The news is next. <laughs> I, it's just not worth it. It's not worth breaking it a couple of days early just to get some shine. Like I, it, I've learned my lesson the hard way more than once. I'm not doing it's it. like, it's like you were almost like dangling it in front of me to be like, Hey, do you want to do it? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want you to do it either. Cause that's a direct reflection on me. Some other news, uh, some personal news should be coming out uh, relatively soon as well. So uh, stay tuned for that too. But uh, what else do we got for clicks? I mean, we talked about the draft and report cards, but Maybe your overall consensus on maybe a, a few surprising picks, a sleeper pick. Uh, did things go according to plan for you? Where you come out on all that? Um, well, I mean, obviously the the majority of my focus was on the Warriors. Like I'm eager to see what they're doing and how their kind of rebuild on the fly was going. Um, I was, it's hard to say, like I was expecting Vancouver to take Braden Lady. I didn't totally expect him to get picked that high. I'm glad he did because I'm a big believer in Brayden lady. And I think he's maybe not necessarily going to slot into the lineup, like immediately. He still has another year of junior left, but man, this kid just he's ready, hits man. like an absolute brick, just an athlete. And like I said, like still some work to be done. Yeah. I, I was a little bit shocked to see him go that early, but, but still excited by it nonetheless. And I don't know. I'm just going through the transaction transaction page right now, just looking at some of the names that are on today's list. I mean, you already went down the the majority of the of yeah. the Warriors ones, and they're you know those are going to fill up with all the draft picks now, and everybody's stable. You're going to start to see a, that thing get pretty hot, and and everybody's going to be getting their their new players under contract. I think maybe the most significant one we saw recently, anyways, is. We didn't mention the the Jacob Motuk for Chris Willman deal between Vancouver and Calgary as well. I, there's another deal I really like for Vancouver. They address a face-off need, another big defensive body, a uh, guy that knows Kurt's system from Calgary. I think that's a real slick move. From Kurt, once again, to get Willman in. Um, Blaze Reardon signing a four-year deal. We're starting to see a little more of this. You know, guys signing these long-term contracts, uh, which... I don't know, like it, I think it's a good thing as far as like league stability goes, team showing, hey, we're making a long-term commitment here to to people and Blaze Reardon getting four years from the wings. 
And you know what? Like, I think Blaze Reardon is one of those guys that you don't really expect to see him in any other kind of jersey. Like, that guy just bleeds Philadelphia wings lacrosse. And the other one as well that, like, the big one that we haven't really touched on either is Chris Bushy going over to mm. Toronto. There was a lot of people that were anticipating him taking the year off yeah. uh, based on his uh, like work situation. And, and now that he's going to be playing in Toronto, that's kind of negated, which is, which is pretty, or at least that's what everyone's uh, expecting going forward. So that's a, that's a big ad for the, for uh, the rock. Another first year or first round draft pick uh, gone by the wayside. <laughs> like you just listen, he is going to just keep diving in until he climbs the hill, man. Like he, there's no turning back here. Like it's, and again, We've talked about it a lot, but Toronto has a luxury that a lot of other teams do not have, and that's guys wanting to go home and, and play in, in Toronto or Hamilton or whatever. Speaking of, I got a little miffed at, at Dowick last week uh, with the news coming out just a day after we finished recording. <laughs> I said, come on, man. Like, what do we, you, you can't drop that on the pot. He goes, well, I kind of did. And I said, no, well, you, anyways. Hamilton, Toronto Rock are playing in the hammer for a full season. Uh, there, that was kind of up in the air, but that's that's huge news for the Rock and 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 that community that they're going to be in in the big barn for the whole entire year before the renovations start. Big, big for Toronto fans. All right, uh, any other draft takeaways from you? Like I, I think Levi Anderson slipping to twelve. And falling into the the lap of the Saskatchewan Russian Derek Keenan might have been the steal of the draft, in my opinion. But I like I get why everybody went out and got their guys and they addressed needs that they but man, I cannot believe Levi Anderson lasted until the twelve spot. Maybe I maybe people know something I don't, but I thought this guy was going top ten for sure. Uh, you know what? Like not to sort of shift from the draft a little bit, but we have, you and I haven't even talked about the, the rush New Jersey's like the new logo oh, and yes. everything. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on, a, on that? That's a quick stick right there, Tina. Now you're, I, this is what I'm talking about right now. Here. We're firing from the hip. Uh, I do. You know, I, I, <laughs> ever since Teddy Jenner told me about the Rusif long live the Rus. I don't know if you've ever looked at the old rush logo, but it looks like it spells Rusev if you look at it very closely. And I kind of like having some sort of logo or animal or whatever the case may be representation of the brand. Just saying Rush or Warriors or whatever. You got to have something to go along with it. I will say I didn't like the look of the RU with the bison and then the SH on the other side of it. The jerseys do not look like that. And when you look at the jerseys, they actually are very, very nice. But I just don't like the way they kind of rolled out the logo with the rush split up like that. I thought that looked a little bit weird. But overall, change is always tough, right? Especially for a loyal fan base like that. And you never really like to see teams rebrand a low like you don't see the Blackhawks or the Canadians or the Maple Leafs or who these long blue blood teams change their logo or their colors like it just doesn't happen and you don't really want to see a team do that but I think this is a proactive positive move here by the Priestners to associate an animal and a culture from that province I think the bison is a perfect complement to the Saskatchewan rush. Yes. So 
Uh, I agree. Um, I like the jerseys. I don't love the logo, uh, but I think it's a huge upgrade, like unbelievable upgrade on what they previously had. I've never been a fan. I think the New York Rangers are the only team, and I've said this before, that have that can get away with, with having just the name of their team on their Jersey. And that's the logo. Otherwise I think it comes across as incredibly lazy and the rush fell into that category where their logo was just rush rush, or it just had the letter R. And I think their away jerseys in all honesty were some of the worst jerseys in the league. Like no question about it in my opinion. So I, for sure, the logo is a big upgrade. I'm still not a huge fan of it. This is going to sound like such a specific, I don't know, gripe with it. And you're probably not going to know what I mean, but I watch a lot of Twitch, like people streaming games. And to me, this looks like a logo of like somebody who's starting a gaming channel and they paid some freelancer to make them a logo for their gaming channel. That's what this looks like to me, but it's, it's an upgrade. And I like the jerseys better than the logo. Uh, itself. Give it, give it a look. I think it'll grow on you. I think it'll grow on you too. Well, and you know what as well? Like I oftentimes like the NHL, they have their winter classic jerseys and, and the heritage classic and reverse retro and whatever. And a lot of times I am pretty quick to be like, I like these ones. I don't like these ones, whatever. And then I see the ones that I don't like on the floor or on the ice. And they look a lot better when everybody's wearing them right. in action. Yeah, That may be the case here. So we'll, we'll see. But first thoughts, I'm not a huge fan of the logo. Okay. And, you know, a couple of teams leaking their home openers here prior to the schedule drop, uh, looking like Halifax will host Saskatchewan on face-off weekend on December 1st. Uh, looking like Halifax, Saskatchewan for sure are, are playing, and I would expect that to be a TSN game is where I'm going with all that. And, and it reminded me of that because – You'll recall that crazy wild, I don't know what it was, 16-15 overtime game where Halifax wore, like, schooner jerseys, and they had, like, I, they were, like, blue and white, and then I think Saskatchewan had on, like, a military-themed jersey, and I just recall that being one unbelievable jersey matchup, and I think this is the second straight year that Halifax and Saskatchewan have kind of kicked off the season. I think Panther City put out... Their post as well that their home opener will be on the tenth against against Vegas, I believe. So, you know, each team is is kind of starting to leak out their schedule a little bit. At least their home opener on their social channels here today. Big. That's the you know, like we talked earlier about you know the draft is done. Now we're creeping towards you know the camps and the preseason. Oh, so we're man. rolling through the steps here. It's it's getting closer. They fire and closer. up next month. Like, end of October, it's going. I think we're about 60 days out here from face-off weekend. It'll be here before you know it, trust me. But I think we will wrap things up right here, right there, Tino. I want to thank our sponsors. I know that much. Stampede Tack, Rycor Construction, Cool Bet Canada. Uh, Who did I miss here? Associate Labels and Packaging, Mitch Jones Realty, all our sponsors here on the podcast. You guys are the best. Support these people. That helps this podcast grow and keep on going uh we'll be back next week we know that much as uh tino i think it might be time to get in and begin our our team previews here before we got to get everybody in we got 15 teams we got we like to have the commissioner on before the season begins we like to have the pa players association on before the season begins 
So what's that? That's 17 weeks. I think we should just get this thing going pretty darn quick, and, and I'm talking next week, where uh, we'll either get the head coach or the GM on of each and every team and, and give their give their team a little preview heading up into the 2023-24 season. What do you think? I uh, I absolutely love it. Let's continue this, this uh, train rolling here. All right. Thanks, classmates, for listening. We'll be back next week right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for another episode or lax class, if you will, here of Lacrosse Classified. But for now, we got to go. For Santina Fair, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.